Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 374 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about seven signs that you should maybe fire your tennis coach. And I want to be really clear, just right off the bat, right out of the gates, this is and, and I've always worked hard. I, I've been doing this for over 12 years now on the internet. This is not about me versus them or me being the ultimate expert or the way that I teach is the right way and everybody else teaches it the wrong way. I, I'm not here to cast shade or judgment on tennis coaches who don't have a YouTube channel or don't have a podcast or anything like that. And if you hear me out here and you listen all the way through, you're going to see that I believe there's a time and a place for every type of coach and every type of tennis player. What we're going to be talking about today is a very particular and specific type of player that has very particular and specific needs. And if you're listening to my voice right now, that's probably you. You, you probably fit that criteria. So uh, with, with that little disclaimer out of the way, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Recently, I worked with a student, and I want to share part of their story in order to introduce this topic. This, this student started playing the game of tennis about four years ago, <clears throat> and right off the bat, I could tell that this person was a really excellent athlete in terms of how they move their body, use of the the big parts of their kinetic chain, and just kind of general timing and footwork. When you've been coaching something and showing people how to get better at a skill for several decades like, like I have, you have a pretty clear picture in your mind of, okay, four years of experience, and based on the average, you know, the mean that you see from other people, thousands of other people I've worked with over the years, yeah, kind of have a picture in your head of what skills you know should should be like after a couple years of work. And this person was clearly well beyond that point, and had, uh, and this is a middle aged you know student, uh, I believe I believe they're in their fifties. So it's not like this is some kind of junior you know prodigy where it's like oh wow they've got all this like young, you know, talent, nothing like that. This person picked up the game in their 50s, I'm pretty sure, um, and are doing an amazing job. So they're already doing lots of things that people in the game don't do after decades of playing matches and taking lessons. And so obviously this person has, has had some good guidance and is doing a lot of things really well. Uh, use of the body on the forehand and backhand ground stroke was really strong. Use of the kinetic chain. Now, that being said, the student had no idea how they were supposed to be using their body. It, it seemed relatively obvious to me that it was not an accident, but this person had, had just kind of organically or intuitively figured it out. So when we, when we worked on their forehand ground stroke, it was totally news to them that at contact, they're supposed to be facing forwards. And so on... Um, Probably about a quarter of their forehands, they were moving their kinetic chain really athletically. But the other three quarters where there was uh, some movement or some stress or the the match or the point situation, there was a little bit of anxiety, that good use of the kinetic chain went away. And students just didn't really have any idea that they were ever doing it at all or that it was supposed to be done across the board in order to 
hit good shots and be as competitive as possible. So that was a really big kind of breakthrough for the student. And it was the same thing on the serve. They'd been told that they didn't want to start off with the waiter tray. So they kind of had a good start and then was trying to intuitively work through the rest of it. But this student wasn't holding the edge on the way up towards contact. So there was kind of like a, a faux starting position where you could see that they had been told at some point not to start with a waiter tray position, but then after the starting position in the trophy pose, we just open the hand and rack it right back up again and, and just go right back to a push. So it was just it was just kind of a, a fake position and wasn't actually doing the job that it was supposed to. So after 30, 45 minutes, this student was fully holding the racket edge on the way up. I've n- and I... <sighs> It was a huge like breakthrough. The student went from basically having a full-on push, like waiter tray uh, type of serve, just a, a full-on frying pan kind of push forwards, to holding the edge of the racket all the way up towards contact until the last second. It's It was the, the biggest improvement in the shortest period of time on that particular thing, which is really hard for tennis players, that, that I've ever seen, especially somebody who hasn't been playing for very long. And again, this student was like, oh, I didn't realize, like, somebody told me, like, something kind of surface level, but hadn't really walked me through the rest of it. So I didn't know I was supposed to be doing, I knew A, but I didn't realize B, C, D, you know, and E. And after walking through it, they basically just started doing it, which is, which is pretty amazing. It usually doesn't happen when I work with students. And then one more quick uh, example, we went to move on their volleys as a doubles player, and this is a... a student who had really classic punch volleys, which is my least favorite word in the whole game of tennis. And the whole idea of stepping across and punching just ruins players' control and touch and feel. So when this player was close to the net, was really successful, great athlete, you know, could find the ball. And as long as they were on top of the net, that punt, that kind of aggressive, like brick wall, like punch works fantastic. But two, three steps away from the net and everything in between there in no man's land, there was a lot of panic and and discomfort and, and lack of success. And so I showed the student how to be a little bit more calm and guide through and also adjust grip pressure to be able to hit different firmnesses and different depths and adjust the angle of the racket face. All those things were totally new to this player and it was a completely different paradigm of like how, how to volley. So I I just wanted to give some context. Those are three specific examples that came up during the two days that we worked together. And over the last four years, this student has done everything that they're supposed to do to try to get better at tennis. Private lessons, clinics, drill groups, playing lots of matches. This is somebody whose personality is super focused, super driven, kind of type A, you know, kind of personality, wants to be super successful and a super like excellent, like athlete picking stuff up very quickly. So I actually, I I think it was like towards the end of day two, kind of the the tail end of our our time together. I, I just flat out asked this student, why, why do you think so much of what you're learning in the last two days is so new? And oftentimes like huge epiphany, mind blowing is like, oh, wow. There was multiple, multiple times in the two days where the student was kind of blown away and and shocked that what they were doing compared to what they were supposed to be doing. And it was 
they were kind of left with the question over and over. Why have, why didn't somebody explain this to me? Like, why, why wasn't I, I told this? And this is, this is an experience I've had with students over and over and over and over again throughout my career. And I, I'm not, I'm not saying that's like pat myself on the back or try to elevate myself or anything like that. We're, we're going to get some more specifics on this a little bit later. But I, and I, I said the same thing to her. Like, I, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not looking for compliments or anything. I'm just curious. Like, why, why do you think back, back at home doing all this work and paying all this money and being on the court all this time, so many things are, are kind of brand new and, and revelations to you in the last 48 hours. And so the student replied and said, and I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, well, the coaches I work with just kind of say the same things the same way, and they can't show me what I'm doing because there's nobody back where I play does video. Like It's not an option for any of the coaches where, where I come from. So everything just kind of gets repeated over and over again, and I'm just kind of left assuming that I'm doing it right. If like, if they stop repeating the same thing, I guess I, I just kind of figure I'm doing it right. Uh, and, and that's kind of it. Like I do the best I can and I, I repeat and they kind of say the, the same things over and over and I, I keep trying my best and it's kind of rinse and repeat over and over. And initially it's pretty obvious to see that that worked really well for her because she's improved and advanced her, her, her skills very, very quickly. But there's a reason why this student came to work with me, and that's that they, they kind of had the feeling that there was something else, like there was more going on than what they were being told, and they wanted to know the truth about their own game. And video in particular was a, was a kind of a big draw, and nobody back where this student came from was able to offer that. So that's the that's the story, and I, I you know I spent a good chunk of time on that just because I wanted to provide context, and I'm sure many of you listening resonate with either that entire story, potentially. I'm sure many of you maybe uh, relate to that whole thing that I just laid out there, or maybe even kind of bits and pieces, and and maybe you're left kind of a little curious, like, huh, I wonder. I wonder about the rest of it, <laughs> if if that applies to me too, or if it's if it's just kind of bits and pieces of the the story I just told. So, I'm gonna lead you through seven questions here that you should ask yourself if you're wondering, like, am I really getting what I need out of my current coach student relationship? There's seven questions uh, I'm gonna present to you that you can ask yourself. And come away, I think, with a pretty clear picture about whether or not you're you're truly getting what you should be getting out of the lessons you're taking. But first, four reality statements here. This is key. This is really crucial. Before I move on to the seven questions, reality number one, not every tennis player has the same level of passion for the game. And you could kind of substitute that a little bit. Uh, with not every tennis player has the same level of passion for learning or improving or leaving their comfort zone. Like you, you could you could substitute a lot of different things, but I'm just going to say passion for the game as like a generic, uh, hopefully all-encompassing way of kind of describing it. It's not. I don't mean like just playing the game. I mean the big picture. Uh, how deep is their passion for? 
not just playing, but reaching the next level and the next level and the next level. So I probably should have worded that a little bit differently. What's their passion for for developing themselves as a player is really kind of what I mean. Not every tennis player is on the same place in that scale. So that's that's reality number one. And if you're listening to this right now, if if you've gone onto your phone and downloaded a tennis improvement podcast and you're listening to some guy talk into a microphone about getting better at tennis, you're pretty far over on one end of that spectrum. Like you're, you take it really seriously. You're very passionate about improving and you really want to push yourself and challenge yourself. So that's reality number one. Reality number two, this is important. Not every tennis coach has the same level of passion for teaching. This is really important. And and again, I'm, this is not me being condescending or looking down my nose at every other tennis coach or thinking I'm better than everybody else. It, this is this is just the truth. There's many different variables that go into being a tennis coach. Uh, some coaches specialize in energy and engagements and entertainment, but not in a bad way. Like if you've taken a lot of tennis lessons, you know what I'm talking about. Some coaches are are kind of Mr. or Miss, Miss Personality and they're just magnetic. And, and so they attract a, a super loyal, like connected, engaged following of players who are looking for action and intensity and repetition. And they, they just love the energy that, that coach brings to the table. Other coaches are kind of are kind of old school and uh they have a particular way of teaching and that's you know kind of the way they've always taught it and it's the way it's supposed to be and they're very kind of rigid and i I mean i guess kind of eastern european like there's a lot of like uh ukrainian like russian you know coaches where it's like very regimented and very by the book and other coaches are very um technically minded some are very strategic minded uh, some specialize in in footwork and movement, and others specialize in in mechanics and use of the body. And so there, there's a huge different. Not every coach has the same qualities, and not every coach should have the same qualities, because different players are looking for different things. So reality too. Not every coach has the same level of passion. For teaching, and when I say teaching, I mean specifically like illuminating new things, describing things in different ways, and kind of providing unique and different epiphanies for their students hour after hour after hour. Not every coach is, is into that, and as that's totally fine, that's good. Different coaches should have different specialties, okay. So reality one, not every tennis player has the same level of passion for developing their game. Reality two, not every tennis coach has the same level of passion for teaching or kind of helping their students advance and develop out of their comfort zone. Reality three, most tennis players do not want to go deep on technique or use video. That's boring and mundane and uncomfortable and frankly scary for most tennis players. Most tennis players don't want to do those things. They'd much rather... Just kind of polish, do a little surface, you know, polish on what they already have. They're mostly happy with playing the game the way they already play it. Like, they don't want to blow anything up or rock the boat too much. And because of that, uh, and because most people are a little self-conscious about seeing themselves and hearing themselves, you know, on video or on audio, video is kind of the last thing that, that a lot of tennis players want. 
So that's reality three. Most tennis players do not want to go deep on technique or use video. That's that's just the truth. And again, no judgment. As it is, it is what it is. Most players play the game of tennis because they enjoy playing the game of tennis. And that's fantastic. And that's super important. Everybody should know why they play and kind of what makes them most happy and most fulfilled. And for most players, that's not seeing themselves recorded in slow motion and seeing the mistakes that they make. That's not enjoyable for most tennis players. You have to have to realize that and kind of accept that. And reality number four, most tennis coaches provide lessons that make most tennis players happy. And when I, when I wrote this sentence, it, there was just something about it that I was like, yes, like I, I've been talking about this for years and years. And that sentence is the first time I, I've written it or said it this way. And I, I think it really kind of crystallizes the whole thing really well. Reality three, most tennis players do not want to go deep on technique or use video. And reality number four, most tennis coaches provide lessons that most tennis players want. Makes sense, right? Like if you're a service provider and you've got a certain group of potential clientele and you want to make sure that you can pay the bills, then you're kind of going to evaluate like who's showing up day to day and evolve what you deliver based on, I don't want to say lowest common denominator, but um, what what are the, how can I adjust or tweak my service that I provide so that the most number of people can be satisfied and come back for more? That's exactly the way free market, you know, should work. <laughs> uh, service providers and people looking for services coming together and deciding, you know, what what is the service that most people want to receive and then coaches, if they're smart, are going to provide that. So those four realities are super key. And you know, like we have to start with that. If you don't understand those four things, then this whole topic gets really touchy and uh, you know has potential for being offensive to a lot of people. So I, I just want to kind of lay all that out on the table. And uh, if listen, if anybody listening doesn't agree with that, I'd be happy to hear what you think. Uh, but in my experience being around the tennis industry for 30 years and having to be my profession for the last 20, this very much is is my experience. Now, of course, there's always, there's always exceptions and there's outliers and there's people who are on different places on the spectrum. Uh, yeah, it's not to say that some players and co- some coaches are incredibly passionate about providing technical feedback and they use video and that's great but most players don't want that so it's just important to understand that so now on to the questions if you're wondering is my coach the right fit first of all you need to know where you are on that spectrum how far over to one end are you in terms of being passionate about developing yourself as a person and a player leaving your comfort zone stretching your abilities uh, being being honest and truthful about who you are as a player, what your bad habits are, seeing the truth about your game, like where are you real, like truthfully, uh, be don't lie to yourself uh, because it'll just make it that much more difficult to to find happiness on the court. So with that in mind, 
And now hopefully you have maybe a scale of one to 10 idea of where you are on that scale of 10 is like the most passionate of most passionate players to develop and stretch your, your, your comfort zone and things like that. Here's the questions you need to ask about your current coach student relationship. Number one, is my coach able to explain the same thing many different ways until I finally get it? If you're far over on that spectrum of passionate about improvement, this is really important. If your coach only has one way to explain a concept or a technique or a skill, and there's nothing else there to give you additional context or a different perspective, then you're just kind of hoping that your unique way of learning happens to match up with their unique way of explaining it. Great coaches who can help students make breakthroughs have many, many different ways to go about explaining the same thing. So question one, is my coach able to explain the same thing many different ways until I finally get it? Uh, Question two, closely connected to number one, when I don't get something, does my coach take responsibility or put it on me? And this, uh, talking with this student that, that I was describing in opening this episode, it was this very much was their experience was when they didn't get something in the moment, the coach's reaction was basically like, well, you're still not, you're still not doing it right. And, you know, let's do some more until you can do it right. And basically the coach put the student in charge of getting it. And it's not the student's job. It's the coach. It's a good coach's job to take responsibility for whether or not the student can do it or understand it or get it and find a different way to present it until the student finally gets it. It's the coach's job to do that, not the student's job to try to figure it out. And this is my opinion. I have a pretty strong opinion on, on this. If you've taken lessons before and coach just kind of keeps repeating the same thing and, and kind of like laughs at you when you, when you don't get it, and keeps just keeps feeding the ball and saying, nope, you still don't get it. You still don't get it. That's a, that's a sign, in my opinion. Especially if you're an adult athlete picking up tennis a little bit later in life. And it's something that you're kind of developing your awareness and your coordination for the first time. You need a very empathetic and a... Uh, uh, an excellent communicator that can provide you with all kinds of different ways to think about the same skill or technique. So that's number two. When I don't get something, does my coach take responsibility for it or put the res- responsibility on me to get it? All right, question three. Does my coach have the same passion for teaching as I have for learning? It's very clear working with this student and and kind of talking through things and hearing stories that the student was like a 10 out of 10 on that scale. And the coaches that they had access to were a five or a six. And that's average. (laughs) Your average coach is going to be at a five or a six in terms of their passion for, for teaching and improving themselves and developing their own skills and providing better and better and better service because they, they just love breaking things down and providing breakthroughs for their students. Not every coach is going to be a 10 out of 10 on that scale, and that's just life. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what service you're providing or, or what product you provide. Most are going to fall somewhere in the middle, and that's, that's 
ju- that's just the way it is. Not everybody has a deep, you know, uh, a deep kind of uh, innate drive or desire to be excellent at whatever it is that they do for a job every day. That's it's just not everybody. And tennis coaches aren't, you know, special. Like we're the same way. Not everybody is on the same place on the scale. So you need to ask yourself this question. Does my coach have the same passion for teaching as I do for learning? There, there needs to be a, a fit there. There needs to be a match. Uh, a player who's a five passion for stretching their comfort zone needs to find a coach that's a five passion for providing breakthroughs and insights. If if you have a an average passion for stretching your comfort zone and you go to a 10 out of 10 coach who has passion for teaching and providing breakthroughs, neither of you is going to be happy. The coach is going to be frustrated because you're just kind of, you know, more looking to run around and get a few tips here and there. And they're going slow and having you do shadow swings and pulling out the video camera. And, and you know, you're not going to be happy. They're not going to be happy. Question number four. Is my coach taking obvious steps to evolve their own understanding of the game of tennis? Are they educating themselves about techniques and how people learn? Uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit there. Uh, Tennis techniques, footwork, strokes, mechanics. What are current pros doing? What what did past pros do? Can you explain the difference between the two? Is your coach taking obvious steps to evolve their own understanding of the game? And the game is always evolving itself. So it takes constant kind of self-education. And again, if you're a 5 out of 10, which... If by this point in the episode, if you were 5 out of 10, you're not you're probably not listening anymore... Uh, if you're a, just for context, if you're a five out of 10, then, um, you don't need a coach that has a 10 out of 10 on this, you know, again, like just match yourself with, with a coach that has, is similar on the scale. That's question four. Number five, is my coach taking obvious steps to evolve themselves as a coach, their communication, their use of training aids, their use of technology like video. Uh, are they are they improving their skills, their their ability to explain things in in different ways? That that takes constant self education and self learning to keep evolving as, as a coach, both in terms of like your tennis IQ and also in terms of the the skills required to be effective as a coach. So ask yourself those two questions about your your coach and are they showing signs of wanting to get better themselves? Question number six, does my coach provide me with a clear plan to follow the next steps forward? Or is it just a day by day, like week by week by week, like, okay, we're going to work on this today and, you know, lots of feeds and lots of repetition, but there's not really any kind of clear path that you're on. You, and not that you're not on a path, but do you, can you see down that path? Are, Are they providing you with vision a month from now, three months from now, six months from now, uh, can, are they giving you that context and the plan to follow and the drills to follow so that so that you can see it clearly and, and your own time move yourself in the right direction? Because they're not standing next to you most of the time that you're on a tennis court, right? If you're taking regular lessons, you're on the court with the coach like an hour a week and maybe you're on a tennis court 10 hours a week or 15 hours a week. So, if you don't have a really clear picture in your head, those other 14 hours out of 15, 
you're just kind of guessing if you're moving in the right direction. So your coach needs to provide you with a clear plan, a clear vision and perspective for the next, I mean, I would say at least three months uh, down the road so that you can effectively uh, modify how you spend your time and you can you can effectively use your time and actually move in the right direction as quickly as possible. And question number seven, did I improve quickly at first with this coach, but the last six plus months, there's nothing new and there's like a clear plateau. And to be clear, it's totally fine to plateau as a tennis player. It's normal. It's natural. But during that plateau, this is why I said six months, it's perfectly normal to experience a plateau. But while that's happening, is the coach you're working with providing you with new ideas, new drills, new ways of trying to make make it further down the path than where you've been stuck the last six months? Or is it the same thing? And it's still the same drills. It's still the same explanations. It's still the same focus. But you, you notice that there's been a clear slowing or stopping of your development. If there's been several months of plateauing and your coach isn't providing you with any new insight or ideas or paths to take, then, well, you're probably just going to continue in the place that you are. So this, I feel like I'm really glad I sat down to do this episode today because uh, the four realities and the seven questions are, are totally new, kind of just kind of came out of me today. And I, I think it's so critical. I'm, I'm just quickly going to walk through all of those again. Reality one, not every tennis player has the same level of passion for development. Reality two, not every tennis coach has the same level of passion for teaching. Reality three, most tennis players do not want to go deep on technique or use video or do other things that make them uncomfortable. Reality four, most tennis coaches provide lessons that make most tennis players happy. <laughs> and then here's the questions that you want to ask yourself. If, if you're wondering, should I be moving on to another coach? Question one, is my coach able to explain the same thing many different ways until I finally get it? Number two, when I don't get something, does my coach take responsibility for it or put it on me? Number three, does my coach have the same passion for teaching as I have for learning or development? Four, is my coach taking obvious steps to evolve their own understanding of the game of tennis? Number five, is my coach taking obvious steps to evolve themselves as a coach, their coaching ability? And it's two different things, by the way. Number six, does my coach provide me with a clear plan to take the next steps forwards? And number seven, did I improve quickly at first with this coach, but the last six plus months, there's nothing new? And have you plateaued? If more than two or three of the answers to those questions aren't what you want, and for sure, if it's a majority, you know, if five out of these seven questions, you're like, ah, I really don't like the answer to that question then it's probably time to move on and find a coach that can check all those boxes. And you might not be able, based on you know lim- limitations of your, your budget or how many clubs are in your area, how many coaches you have to choose from, how much tennis there is in your geographical area, you might not find a coach that, that checks all of these boxes. And that's, o- that's okay. Like it's, 
if you do find a coach and it, and if you've just been nodding your head this whole time and your coach checks all of these boxes, then man, you have just absolutely struck gold because most players are going to have a hard time finding somebody that that hits all of these different checkpoints. Uh, most people are, again, just kind of have average goals and most coaches are used to providing a service to those types of players. And that's probably not what you're looking for if you're listening to my voice right now. So just a little bit of context. And if you do decide it's time to move on, be super respectful, be totally transparent. My uh, The student that I just had, or I, I'm sorry, a different student uh, told me recently that they moved on from their coach and they thanked them. And I think that's super key. No matter whether it's a good fit or not, they're still trying their best with what they have. So thank them, respect them, tell them, thank you for your insights. Thank you for everything that you've taught me, especially if you've been together for you know a longer period of time. Like I, I promise you, they're still trying their best. They just might not have the same goals or want to provide the same type of service you're looking for. And so be respectful and tell them the truth. There's no sense in making up stories or like white lies about scheduling or whatever. <laughs> Tennis communities are really, really tight knit. And they're going to see that you moved on to go someplace else. Or they'll, they'll hear from a, another member or somebody else that works with them. Or they'll see you on the court with another coach. So there's no sense in, you know, uh, there's no sense in making something up. Just say, hey, listen, you've taught me so much. I, I really appreciate everything that you've shown me and you've been a huge help. And I just feel like I'm, I'm ready to, to go in a different direction right now. Uh, but thank you so much for everything that you've shown me. Ultimately, at the end of the day, and hopefully this, this has been clear, hopefully, uh, the way I've described things, what I want most for every tennis player is to find their own happy place. The, the, I, I want everybody to develop the skills that they want to develop and find the level of competition that they want to achieve. Find a community that they feel fantastic being a part of. Find training partners that they like and respect and they're on the same page. Have incredible experiences, whether that just be sweating a lot in exercise or like lifting a trophy. And part of this is a coach. Finding a coach that's on the same page as you, provides you with exactly what you need, exactly at the right time. And finding that is hard. And if you do find it, it's a special thing. And so I, I hope you understand that a little bit more after listening to this episode and I hope that this episode also helps you find that, that perfect coach. Every player needs something slightly different, and every coach provides something slightly different too. So more than anything, I just want you to find that perfect match. And so I hope the descriptions and the realities I laid out and the questions that, that I posed in this episode help you to do that. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments or feedback on this episode, feel free to let me know. You can shoot me an email to ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. For more free, game-improving instruction, be sure to check out essentialtennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.